Whoever is listening, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 45. Guys, as always, thank you so much for the support on the podcast. We are on iHeartRadio, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest. His name is Chad Smith, played linebacker at Clemson, done so much that we're going to talk about, won Fiesta Bowl MVP in 2019, taking down the Buckeyes in a thriller, one of the greatest semifinal games I've ever seen. Chad Smith, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me on, Grayson. So I just want to immediately start off. I want to talk about your recruiting process because you were a part of the class of 2015. It was a, I guess, different time for Clemson football. It's not considered in 2015 that Clemson would be competing for a national championship year in and year out. What drew you to Clemson? Was it what everybody's saying now? Was it a culture? Was it the family atmosphere? Just take me through that recruiting process. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you touched on a couple of points that drew me on, uh, drew me to Clemson already, just the family and the culture. But, you know, Clemson kind of started to stand out to me back when they were playing, you know, Ohio State in the Orange Bowl uh, back in 2013 with Sammy Watkins and Taj Boyd. And I just vividly remember watching that game in my basement, just, you know, how competitive they were, just, just, you know, how they got after, you know, Ohio State. And, you know, Ohio State had that pedigree and the history and, you know, little Clemson, I mean, people, you know, that was when they were starting to make a name for themselves, still hadn't really gotten to that point. And, you know, they, they won that game and, you know, great fashion. And I was just like, man, that's, that's a really awesome school. Like I want to go visit there, you know, that, that could be a school I could potentially see myself, you know, playing for being a part of. And, and so, you know, during my recruitment, you know, I visited a couple colleges, went to a couple camps and, you know, went down there for, you know, an unofficial visit checked out the campus, just immediately fell in love with it. I mean, it was just, you know, just kind of where it's located. Um, you know, it's kind of out of the city. I'm not a city guy. Um, just just the hills, everything that sh- people talk about Clemson just resonated with me there. Uh, the people that have been there, um, you know, visited, gone to school there, all that, it just resonated with me. And it just felt like home immediately. And was like, man, if I get an opportunity to come to Clemson, you know, I'm coming. Yeah, and, take it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was blessed and fortunate enough that my junior year June after my junior year um actually no going into my junior year I can't really remember it's been a while all I know (laughs) is the date I know the date it was April 11th um that I committed to Clemson coach Venables extended the offer and um you know I accepted and I was just you know I already knew essentially where I was gonna go um you know I had a couple offers at the time but you know it was really that offer from Clemson that just you know stood out 100 percent and I wanted to go there immediately. So let's talk about Coach Venables, because obviously you play linebacker. You're on the defensive side. You're going to see him a lot. I really want to, for our audience who don't know Coach Venables, he is full of energy. He is a guy that just gets after it 110%. How would you describe what playing for Coach Venables was like, and how did his on-the-field energy match how he prepared and made offenses just – anybody he played against, it was a nightmare for them. Can you just describe that for us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean – what you see on, on TV for sure. Um, he's an intense guy. I mean, <laughs> if he could be out there on with us, you know, with pads suited up, he would a hundred percent. I mean, they got the get back coach already um, because he's just so he, he, he just cares so much. The passion just oozes out of him. Um, especially when you talk to him about football um, and even life. Um, you know, that one of the things that drew me to coach V and, and the type of individual he, he is, is he cares about his players, not just, you know, athletically, you know, as a football player, but also off the field. Um, you know, we still stay in touch periodically from time to time and it's pretty cool. 
You know, he still cares about his players, even after they've gone and left. Uh, you know, I'm almost two years removed and he still keeps in touch with me from time to time. Um, it just goes to show the type of individual he is, um, you know, outside of football. Um, and he values, um, you know, that relationship off the field with his players. And, you know, he brings the energy every single day too, um, to the relationship as well, even off field. I mean, he, he, he's a very energetic guy. I mean, you can feel it when he steps in the room. Uh, just the intensity, the energy he brings, it's, it's awesome. You know, there's, there's nothing like it. Um, and and he, he's very meticulous about how he prepares um, for opponents. Um, you know, every opponent he takes uh, seriously. It doesn't matter if it's Citadel or if it's Ohio State. I mean, he approaches his method and how he approaches it does not change, uh, which is great to see as, as a young individual, just how he approaches his job, um, you know, it, it rubs off on you as a player because, you know, it's regardless if it's the Citadel, you know, or Wake Forest or North Carolina or Ohio State or Alabama, they're all the same. They're all treated the same in how you prepare um, and how you approach the game, which, you know, he, 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 he communicates that to us. He stresses that to us in meetings um, in practice. And it's all about the details with him. Um, he's very de detail oriented, which makes him one of the best, if you know, the best uh, oh, yeah. coordinator um, in the country for sure. And so it was just a privilege uh, to play for him, an opportunity to learn from him, you know, not just about the game of football, but about life. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I'm super thankful for those five years of being under him, um, you know, him coaching me and pouring, um, you know, into my life. Um, you know, he's a tough coach to play for us too. I mean, oh, yeah. he's, he's tough. They'll rip you a new one in a heartbeat, but that's just because he cares about you and he expects you to play to a certain standard um, for sure. But he also expects you to have a higher standard as well. Yeah. I mean, he has a standard for his players, but he expects you to have your own standard. That's beyond that as well. Best is the um, standard at Clemson. Exactly. Best is the standard for sure. And so he, he makes sure that he holds that holds us to that as well as, you know, he, he, he pushes us to hold ourselves to that as well, most importantly. Um, and, you know, it's just um, a great privilege to be a part of, um, you know, his, his uh, players that he's coached. I want to ask you about the atmosphere. We're going to just jump all over the place, talk about Clemson football. The atmosphere at Clemson, especially being – I've been a student for a year. I've been a part of it. It's, it's been different with this COVID year because there's not many people there. But it packed Death Valley – can you just take me through that? And I also want to hear one of your, what are your best experiences playing for a hostile crowd? Which one was most memorable to you? Oh man, there's nothing like Death Valley. Mm -hmm. um, Pack Death Valley is by far the best stadium across the country. And I'll, I'll, I'll debate anybody on that for sure. Best entrance in college football too. You can't even name something else. Oh yeah. To it by far. Um, and I would say just, you know, one game, there's a couple of games that have stood out to me in the past or in the past I've been a part of Louisville, uh, Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson. Oh. They were ranked like third and we were ranked like fifth. And that game was insane how loud it was. Uh, Notre Dame and the, and the, like the rain, the monsoon, the monsoon that yes. was intense. Um, you know, I was a red shirt for that game, but it was just crazy. Just how that game uh, played out. Um, that game was crazy. Shoot, the Auburn game. Uh, when I was there for that in, one. That was intense. That was loud as crap. I mean, there's, as you can tell, all these games were nice. <laughs> games. 
Yeah. All of them were night games. Um, so that was those three games, you know, stand out to me, um, you know, from the time that I've played. Most hostile crowd. I love playing at South Carolina. Oh, oh yeah. I love playing there. That, it's just I wouldn't say they're the loudest stadium, uh, but just the hostility there. It's just so awesome because going into that game, knowing that you're going to kick their ass, it's just so great. Um, you know, I never, I've never lost to those birds. Um, so I'm five. And oh. It's just great. We're, we're on a run. I don't know. We're like six and oh, seven and oh against them from the last seven years. I mean, we're just going to keep piling it on too. Um, and I'm super stoked for this year as well. I mean, Nothing like doing the 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 champions walk or the walk of champions right right in front of their oh, yeah. their, their uh, student section and them all giving us the birds and it's just like gosh you guys are going to be empty by the by the beginning of the yep. third quarter it's great so that's 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 a hostile environment that I've loved and one of the most loudest hostile environments I'll say is is Virginia Tech that game that night game um, that we played there was game day that was really loud and it was really cool the Sandman was you know yeah. coming out that was awesome um those two environments were pretty were pretty nice so when you're in death valley and this is comes time for the fourth quarter you see the video on the screen this is why we work you got the strength coach that these when the stands are empty that's when the work takes place can you tell us what those summer workouts are like what kind of work is being put in there how grueling is it like tell us just what it takes to be a champion basically Man, those summer workouts suck. Um, <laughs> they do. Um, and one of the things that, you know, those strength coaches, Joey Batson, um, try and preach to the players, just embrace it. Embrace the suck. I mean, know that you're, you know, each day it's going to be a challenge. It's not meant for everybody. Okay. There, there is no shine without the grind. Um, plain and simple. You got to put in the work. Okay. Each and every day. Um, you know, 7 a.m. workouts to about 9 a.m., so you're waking up at 6.15, you're getting ready, you're eating something light. I would be cautious about eating a full breakfast because you may be seeing that a little bit later. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how it is. Um, you know, it's, it's grueling, especially, you know, for those guys, because there's two separate groups, 7 a.m. And then there's like a 2 p.m. group. If you're in that 2 p.m. group, it is it is going to be really hot and, and, and humid and steamy when you're running, you're doing hill sprints, you're outside doing half gassers, sled pushes, um, you know, you name it. Um, you know, How they, do they, they divide those. So, so morning group is more skilled based group. Okay. You got your, you got your linebackers, you got your running backs, receivers, quarterbacks. Um, and then 2 PM is, you know, the bigs, the offense, defense line, and anybody that have class conflicts, Okay. 8 a.m. Sometimes people have 8 a.m. So if you have 8 a.m., you can't come to the 7 a.m. lift. So you would be in the 2 p.m. lift. So um, that's kind of how they were breaking it up in that in that regard. But um, yeah, about an hour 15 or so of lifting, and then you're you're 45 minutes of conditioning, uh, whether it's stations or hills or sleds or sprints, um, hundred you know one tens. I mean shuttle runs i mean they, they got it all um and it's and it's tough man there were a couple days where you know i i knew exactly what i was getting myself into and i would have you know just that sinking feeling in your stomach knowing that all right today we got sprints we got we we're doing leg day or whatever and we got sprints afterwards and it's just that sinking feeling knowing that you're getting oh. your ass kicked in that in that in that gym that's but painful. Bring it. Yeah, it's painful. I'm not going to lie. There's, there's a lot of guys that have puked, um, tons of guys that have just puked on the side, 
Um, I know one of the strategies that I've had is, you know, before I go do sprints, when I'm feeling, you know, that sinking feeling after I've doing a lift, like I can feel like, all right, I've busted ass in this lift. I know if I go out there and start sprinting, I'm going to puke. So I'll just pull the trigger right before I go out there on the field, go to the bathroom, pull the trigger, boom, feel much better. Sprints. <laughs> hey, at least so you got a patent down. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, I wouldn't say that was routine every single time, but you know, whenever I did have that sinking feeling in my stomach, you know, halfway through the lift or, you know, once we were about to transition to sprints or whatever condition that we've had. And I just knew that I would, you know, I would most likely puke. And I didn't <laughs> want to just, you know, have to go to the side to puke and then come back. You know, I would just go to the bathroom, you know, right before we hit the field to puke and then hit the field and, you know, feel much better. And once you've done them enough, you realize you got like, you, you know what to expect at that point. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, as the years go on, I mean, you start to get accustomed to the work that's put in. I mean, I would say that was more like the first couple of years and then maybe sprinkled here and there um, after that, after like my second or third year, um, just being a part of some workouts, but it's, it's great, man. I, you know, I miss those times. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do miss it. So I want to talk about coach Sweeney because obviously he's gotten a lot of, uh, let's just say some stuff in the media. You either have a really high opinion of him or you really don't. So I want to just ask, what do you think people aren't saying enough about Coach Sweeney? Is there something that people aren't seeing? Is there something that is so great about Coach Sweeney that maybe the media needs to pay more attention to or something that he does every day? Like, Take me through what it's been like with Coach Sweeney and then just some people that stuff people aren't talking about. I mean, one thing about Coach Sweeney is, is what you see is what you get in the media. Very charismatic guy. He cares. Um, he loves his players. He loves the school. He loves the Lord. Um, he talks about, you know, the Lord all the time, Christ. Um, you know, he that's in his message consistently to his players, which is something that, you know, you don't see very often. Um, man of God, which is um, <clears throat> which is awesome. One of the reasons why I chose Clemson as well. Um, he, he considers himself as the average Joe with, you know, just just as the average Joe with a dream job. Um, you know, and, and he, he doesn't see himself any different than, you know, anyone else walking the streets, um, by any stretch. Um, he is easily approachable, very easily approachable. Um, you know, he just cares so much about the player, um, more so than winning football games. He doesn't care, um, nearly as much about winning national championships as he does about, you know, the individual player and how, He's going to shape that man, that that man to be, or that boy to be a man. Um, you know, a man of God, a great uh, son, um, future great husband, father, all of that. Um, you know, he 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 cares so much about that that um, you know I think that can sometimes get overlooked. Yeah, he 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 says it a lot in the media, uh, which some people can you know take that for granted. You know, yeah. as on the outside, like yeah, he says that he cares about his players all the time, but you know that's something that he he values more so than really anything about, you know, football, this job, you know, that's, that's something that he, he, he lives and dies by essentially. It's something um, really different when the media said, he says in a federal microphone, I care about these kids. And then actually seeing that take place. Cause I feel like we get a lot of a, you talk a lot of the media, you say one thing and do the other, but I think with coach Sweeney, it's actually very genuine. I think that's something that people obviously take for granted. Like you said, yeah, exactly. And he's, he's one of the most authentic guys, um, you know, you can, you, you'll, you'll be around, um, which in this day and age, 
just just in, just in general it's hard to find authenticity yeah. true genuineness um and you know that's what he all that's what he's all about um which i think is just something that stands out um which you know you you know as a recruit and stuff like that sometimes you're not always going to find it you're going to hear people that just say you know the lines that they're supposed to say but for him it, it's all real it's all real and, it, and he doesn't say it just to say it um you know it matters when when he tells you, I care about you, I love you, um, you know, I'm here if you need anything, like that matters. Um, you know, I have his phone number, I could call him. He may not answer, but he'll give me a call back one of these days, shoot, shoot him a text. He may not answer right away, but he'll get back to me. You know, that's yeah. the type of individual he is because he cares about all of his players. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's Coach Sweeney in a nutshell, man. Yeah. So we're, we're going to get to your monster Fiesta Bowl game, but besides that, what would you say was your most memorable performance or best game that you were a part of? Um, man, I would say one of the memorable performances was Georgia Tech, the first game I ever started. Um, you know, that was a night game. Um, you know, that was, that was really great. Um, you know, I played one of my better games, um, by far, um, that first game I hit the field, um, as a start of my fifth year. Um, also, you know, Boston college was another great game that we played. I think it was also another night game. Uh, yeah. That strip sack yeah. back and, and, and cream Logan Rudolph scooped and scored. That was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, that was really cool. Uh, one of the most memorable games to, you know, ever be a part of. Um, was definitely had to have been the first time we won the Natty um, mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. Uh, Deshaun to Renfro. I mean, that was just surreal. That was live, just it's surreal. iconic. It'll live yeah. forever in sports. As long as football is yeah. a thing, you'll see that image everywhere. Yep, exactly. And it's just like, man, I was, I was on the field. I was there. I was part of that team. You know, I was, you know, I played in that game. It's just like, you know, it, it only, it, it, it doesn't really sink in too much. Um, you know, it sinks in more and more as you're away from the game. Um, okay. I would say, I mean, you know, being a part of it and just coming out of that, you know, it's, yeah, it was super awesome. That's so cool. But like the gravity of it, like doesn't hit as much until you really like sit down and reflect like, man, I was actually part of that game. Like yeah. I was part of college football history. Like that's just surreal. Like to me, like it's, it's still like surreal. We got a, my family was lucky enough to get tickets for that game. And that was still the time where it was kind of like, can we really do this? Are we really going to pull this off? Like my, my sister, and my mom are crying. Like I'm, I'm always only 15 at the time. And I got dudes that I don't even know who are hugging me. And they're like, Oh, like I've been watching Clemson football for so long. I've been waiting for this to happen. And it was such a surreal experience. I think, like you said, the more you're away from the game, you kind of go, wow, I can't believe I was a part of that. I feel like as a fan, the more years that pass, you're like, wow, I was actually a part of that game. Cause they're, they're going to be documentaries on that team that season oh, for sure. 100%. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm really looking forward to. You didn't get that. You got to get you another interview, man. Yeah. That talk about great. that time. All right. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that Fiesta Bowl game. I got, so I, I don't think I've ever been more, I think that's been the most roller coaster of emotions I've been through a game. I want to go to the, I want to go straight to the point. Y'all were down 16. Oh, Against Ohio State, it looked – I was I was in shambles. I didn't know what was going on. Take me through the sideline. What was y'all's attitude towards that game? Y'all didn't panic. Obviously, y'all came out with W. How was the sideline like? How was Coach Sweeney? How was Coach Venables? Take me through what y'all did to be able to mount a comeback against Ohio State team that many thought were going to win the national championship. Yeah, no, I mean, we we never lost, lost sight of, you know, 
what the end accomplishment, what the end of goal was, was going to be. And that was going to win the game. I mean, we still had a hundred percent faith that we were going to pull it out. We were going to win the game. Um, it just took one play at a time. That was kind of our mindset. Okay. Yeah. We're down 16, zero. Uh, but we had some really great, uh, red zone stands as a defense. And we were really proud of that. Um, you know, that game, we definitely were a little bit of a bend don't break defense, which we don't necessarily want to be at Clemson. I mean, typically we're, you know, we, we do a little bit better than that, but they had a great, right. they had great players. They were just making plays. Um, you know, we made a couple of mistakes that they took advantage of. Um, and, you know, but, you know, when they got down in the red zone, that's when we really buckled it down. Um, and we really were as a team, as a unit out there, like, okay, listen, you know, anything but, but a touchdown, anything but a touchdown, mm -hmm. right? Turnover, um, you know, field goal, you know, at, at worst case scenario, they're getting a field goal. Okay, best, best case scenario, we're, we're getting a turnover and we're going the other way. Um, that's kind of was our mindset every time we got down there. And, you know, we buckled down. We made some great plays down there as a defense um, that forced them to get three points instead of six, which is such a huge, huge win. Yes. For um, especially against a team like Ohio State. And so that that when we're coming off the, you know, the field after they kick in three, we're, we're feeling good about ourselves. And Ohio State's like frustrated. Yes, obviously, um, with the type of people that they have and coaching staff. I mean, they obviously expect themselves to get six, but, you know, we have a, you know, we expect ourselves as defense to not let that happen. And, you know, we made more plays than they did when the time came down to it um, in the red zone and forced them to get three. And going into halftime, we were still confident. You know, we knew our offense was going to turn it around and they did. Uh, we were relying on each other, offense, special teams. Um, you know, we were going to pull it together and we were going to pull this thing out. Um, and that was the mindset heading into halftime and coming back out on that field. And, you know, the end result was the end result. I want to go through your personal performance as the game for a lot of people. It's you got to get that first hit and then you're like, all right, it's go time for you having such an amazing game. You had 12 tackles. You had such an impact on the game. Tell me what were your, what was your thought process going through the game? Did you think I'm going to be the Fiesta Bowl MVP? Was it something that kind of just, came as a shock to you? Were you just so in the zone with the game that it just was like, oh, this just happened. Oh my gosh. So like, take me through that, your personal performance. No, exactly what you just said right there. I mean, it really was like, I was in the zone. I wasn't really thinking about, oh man, I already have six tackles already. And it's only the second quarter. I, I had I wasn't keeping track of any of that. <laughs> I was so caught up in the moment, um, you know, just taking it one play at a time, one rep at a time. That's all I was doing. Um, so I wasn't really thinking too much beyond that. Um, I wasn't thinking about, um, you know, anything about Fiesta Bowl MVPs or anything of that nature or, you know, that that was farthest thing from my mind. Um, so it was when when they came up to me, it was like, hey, get up out there on the stand, you're a Fiesta Bowl MVP. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that was just surreal. It was another surreal moment that just, you know. It, it's still one of those things that, you know, the farther away that I get yeah. from the game, you know, it, the more it sinks in. And, um, you know, it was just that's kind of just how I was throughout the game, which one play at a time, one rep at a time. And then by the end of the day, you know, we come out with a W and they're telling me to get up on stage as the MVP. And I'm like, wow, what? <laughs> I, that's got to be sort of someone be like, hey, get up there. You're going to. That's crazy. Um, I want to go through that final drive and that Nolan Turner interception that's going to like Justin Fields had his head on his helmet. Take me through that final drive. Did you expect, obviously you guys were expecting a stop because when did they have, wouldn't have any other way. Take me through what happened, that Nolan Turner interception. I actually rewatched the game last night just to see, get a feel for that. I get, I always tune into those 
Clemson classics every now and then just kind of watch and relive it. And then I see your, ah, screaming into the camera. I love that, by the way. Take me through that drive. Man, um, I remember just on the sideline getting ready to go in, go in for that final drive. I was like, this is it right here. This is it. This is for the national championship to get to, to get an opportunity to play for it. Um, and, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was that, that game. I, I had never spent, I had never felt after that game, like my body hurting so much. My legs <laughs> were drained. My shoulders were killing me. It's a physical it game. Much, it was just, it was just, you were just spent after the game. And it's just one more time, one more time heading out there. I mean, all of us were, you know, we did everything that we could to pull that W out offense, defense, special teams. I mean, we were spent after that game and we we're like, we got this one last drive. We have to pull through. Right. This is it. This is it. Um, and, you know, we, you know, they, they made a couple of plays to get down the field. Um, you know, obviously we, we started to bend a little bit more than we wanted to, and they were moving the ball and we were just trying to, you know, keep them from scoring. That's it. You know, whatever it takes. I mean, they can move the ball a little bit, but as long as they don't score that touchdown, we are good you're good. We will hold on, um, you know, soak up the time, be slow, but you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, picking up the pace, hurry up offense. You know, we're trying to get the play call in line up. Um, you know, everything is on 10. Everybody's just, you know, trying to, you know, be where they're supposed to be. Remember their uh, you know, their assignments, technique and crunch time. It's so tough, especially after a game that is such, it's such a, it's been such a hard fought game to that point. Um, and, you know, obviously we get down to that play where Nolan made. I mean, um, that was just uh, just an unbelievable play by Nolan. That's just just being disciplined where he's supposed to be um, right place at the right time uh, based on him doing his job um, and his assignment and knowing what he's supposed to do. Guess there was an errant throw by Justin Fields, you know, or miscommunication or whatnot. I mean, that's what happens in crunch time. If you're not on your P's and Q's, you know, you're going to end up paying the price. And so, you know, I guess there was um, a slip up on them. Nolan was in the right place again, right time, was doing his assignment, made the play. And it was just one of those things just surreal at the moment. Like everything just goes yeah. numb. Everything goes numb. It's like what you see in the movies where everything is silent, but you hear that loud noise of the crowd going crazy. And, you know, everything's moving a million miles an hour, but it almost feels like it's in slow motion, but it's, it's just, there's two completely different spectrums of it. And it's just such a surreal moment that yeah. being a part of that, especially if, again, going back to how spent we were, it was amazing. That's great. I want to, I was trying to do research, get stuff on that. I found a fascinating quote by Dabo Sweeney saying that you were the epitome of what Clemson football is all about. Tell us what does that mean to you? And what do you think he meant when he said that to you? And that obviously means a lot coming from him. Um, you know, that's definitely something that, um, you know, definitely means a lot to me. What I would say that means just about Clemson football and what they're all about. I mean, I would like to think that, you know, I have grown from a boy when I first walked in to a man when I left, um, you know, and that's what Clemson football is all about. Um, cultivating um, kids to be grown men when they leave. Um, Clemson, when they step foot, whether it's, you know, professionally at the next level playing football or, you know, whatever phase of life that they're entering in as a professional, um, you know, that you're ready, that you're prepared for it um, and that you've put in the work 
um, you know, to be great at whatever you put your mind to. And, um, and, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, one of those crazy freshman All-Americans when I first got there. You know, I had to, you know, buy my time, put in the work, be patient, which was tough uh, for me, to be honest with you. Um, you know, not being able to get as much playing time early on as I'd obviously like, but just embracing and being great where my feet are, uh, with what I was given, which was, you know, there was, there was, there was opportunities to play on special teams that I took pride in, you know, defensive packages that I got in short yardage, you know, some reps here and there on defense, you know, I just taking pride in being great where, where your feet are, which is something that coach Sweeney, um, always, always preaches, Probably still to this day, I guarantee it. Bloom where you're planted. I guarantee you he's telling his, his team that, you know, as they're going through fall camp. And that's kind of what I, you know, I took up. You know, I was trying to bloom where I was planted, you know, be patient, um, you know, you know, buy my time, continue to put in the work till I get the opportunity and then take full advantage of it, which. And that you, you know, did. You did. That's awesome, man. So anything else that you'd, I mean, I, that, really molds into our next question. What would you say to recruits who are deciding whether to choose Clemson as their home or another school? Is there anything that you would put any knowledge you would put onto them? Well, what I would say is going through the recruiting process, especially just as a whole, um, you know, really, you know, take your time, make sure that you're picking the best place for you. Um, you know, that's going to help you achieve whatever goals that you have set for yourself professionally, if that's to make it to the NFL or, you know, also to make it to the NFL, but also be set up for life afterwards in terms of, you know, opportunities to take whatever career that you want to pursue once football's all said and done. What I would say is that Clemson 100% gives you that opportunity to do both. Um, you know, obviously to play at the next level, we have a bunch of guys that are balling out at the next level um, and are, you know, one of the best, if not the best at their positions. Um, you know, we, we, we definitely, that translates 100%, uh, what we do here at Clemson, what we've done, um, you know, helps those guys prepare and be ready to take on that next level of football, uh, professionally, as well as, you know, prepare you for life after football. A lot of the, the, the values and, you know, the characteristics and the virtues, um, you know, that Clemson tries to pour into their players stays with them once football's all said and done. And I can't, I can't say that enough that there's so many things that coach Sweeney has communicated to the team, um, to the players over the past five years that I was a part of Clemson that, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other when you first get there and it keeps doing that over and over and over again. And you're just slowly wiring your brain to think that way. Yet you don't really know that. Um, especially as a player there, you're like, oh, he's one of his sayings again, you know, <laughs> be great where your feet are. Okay. Yeah. I've heard that 7,000 times. And then all of a sudden you leave and you enter, you know, professional football or you do whatever job that you're entering in. And, you know, sometimes you're hit with adversity and, you know, your challenges. And then you just remember bloom where you're planning be great where your feet are. Take it one day at a time. Okay. That, that type of stuff all just have been wired in your brain for the past five years and you're ready for it and you're ready for it. And, you know, subconsciously you, you, you you embrace it and you overcome that challenge and you'd be great exactly where your feet are. And so, you know, that's what I would say to recruits is that, you know, you're, you're going to get an opportunity at Clemson one to be a part of something super special to win a lot of football games, to win championships. That's a guarantee. You will win a championship. Yes, sir. If you leave Clemson. It's not like other schools. 
That's 100%. They cannot give that guarantee. We can definitely get that guarantee uh, that during your time at Clemson, you will be a part of at least one championship. Um, that's for sure. And, you know, as well as, you know, you're going to be poured into by some of the best men and women, coaches, um, you know, that you will that you will find in this nation, um, not only as an athlete, as a football player, but also as a man. Um, so if you're trying to, you know, accomplish being, you know, a holistic individual, you know, couple that with being a great hell of a football player and having that opportunity to blossom into that, Clemson's where, where it's at. Um, and it's, it's second to none, in my opinion. That, hey, I, I mean, if there's recruits listening right now, I think you've convinced them. <laughs> So we're going to do, before we wrap up, we're going to do some rapid fire questions, just a couple of fun ones before we wrap up. Who was your favorite player at Clemson that you played alongside? Maybe it was somebody in practice. Maybe it was somebody that you played against or with on the field. Tell me who was that favorite player? Mm, that's tough. I played with a lot of great players. Um, we could do more than one. That's true. Uh, but one of my favorites is by far my roommate. Uh, one of my best friends, Jamie Skalski. Yeah, he's, dog. he's a, he's a dog. Um, he brings the energy, man. He fires me up. Um, you know, we we're really close friends. We hang out off, you know, off the field all the time. Um, you know, and, and so it's just, whenever we step on the field and we just get after it, it's, it's awesome. Um, he loves the game of football. His passion, his energy is just contagious. Um, so he's definitely one of my favorites to, you know, play, uh, or that I've played with. Um, and then, you know, I, I would have picked somebody on the offensive side. Um, one of one of my favorite players that I have played with and against on the offensive side in practice, Jay Guillermo. Okay. Jay Guillermo. Jay Guillermo. Uh, yeah, he started starting center uh, for that national championship team. He was just a character. He was one of the <laughs> funniest guys I have ever met in my entire life. He kept it. He kept it light all the time in practice. Uh, you know, he, he got after people, but he kept it light, which was great, um, especially in, you know, during fall camp and stuff like that in the locker room, joking around, you know, keeping things light sometimes in the most stressful of days. You know, I, I would say he was one of my favorite players to, you know, play with and against in practice for sure. That's awesome. What was your first personal favorite play that you made? Something on the field was something at practice that you were just like, wow, did I just do that? Just a realization like that. Um, that's interesting. Let me see here. I would say two, two, two favorite plays. One, um, the strip sack against Boston College. Um, that was really cool to be a part of. Um, and then it, I'd have to kind of paint the picture. It was against Ohio State and Fiesta Bowl. They were driving um, on us. I think it was third it was the possession they had before their final drive. Okay. Um, they were up and it was before uh, Trevor Lawrence dumped it off to Travis Etienne for yeah. that one to go up 23 to 16 or whatever. Um, so it was that drive and they were driving on us and they were kind of soaking up the clock and it was third and four. Um, and they were in our territory. They were on like the 45, 44 yard line or whatever. Um, and they ran a little screen pass uh, to the receiver and one of their offensive linemen were coming out. I ducked him and tackled him for like a two yard loss. Um, and they had to punt the ball. And that's when we did our game winning drive. Huge stuff. And yeah. So it was, uh, it was a stop that, you know, looking back and watching film, I was like, damn, like if he had got that first down, 
that could have been, yeah, that that been the game because I think there was like three minutes or four minutes left in the in the game and they were doing their four minute drill as Ohio State offense, which is run the clock, soak it up, get in field goal position, just drain the clock, don't let Clemson have the possession at you know last possession. And if they do, they have almost no time to you know operate with. That's kind of what their mode of operation was. So that third down stop was huge. Um, you know, in hindsight, uh, being able to make that play, I was just like, it, it, it was as a, it, it's it's a significant play that not many people see. Um, that if they go back and watch and just kind of you know soak in the game and how it was operating, I mean, it was a it was a great it was a big play, and you know, a lot of my teammates were like, "Damn, Chad, like if you didn't make that play, like I don't know if we would be going to the national championship." And you know, it's hearing crazy. that from some of my teammates and stuff like that, my coaches, it's just like, "Dang, like that's that's pretty cool." Um, that's awesome. It's just like a small play right there that doesn't it wasn't like a crazy hit or like a one-handed interception it was just like just a just a just a small play that just had a lot of weight to it um in the in the whole spectrum of the game that's great um so i mean jay camaro can be can be a part of this next one what was the one of the funniest stories you've ever had or experienced at clemson now to say if you can you can spill the secrets if you want to Well, I, I would say Logan Rudolph is um, a character. If anybody follows Logan Rudolph or anything like that on Instagram or anything like that, he he posts a lot of funny videos sometimes. Um, but and and if and if any Clemson fan knows Logan Ro- Rudolph, they also they should know Coach Stiff. Um, and if not, I would just I would just go you know look up Logan Rudolph on Instagram, find some of his videos. He's got some really funny videos of 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 what he does um but he did like an impersonation of one coach during uh, a team meeting um it was like our tight ends coach Dan- danny pierman um and he he just nailed the impersonation spot on and people were just rolling on the ground laughing and dying in that team meeting i mean coach sweeney was was dying everybody was just laughing um logan rudolph is like one of the most quiet yet funny one of the most quiet yet most funniest guys i've ever I've ever been around and he's, he's a great guy as well. So that was, that was one time that uh, during fall camp, we were having like a break from practice or whatever. Um, And, you know, we, we had an opportunity to just get together with the team and just, you know, hang out and, you know, do some, do something fun. And we did some impersonations and he hit it spot on that. I just coach stiff came to play and impersonated one of our tight ends coach. And it was just hilarious. So out of all the places that you've traveled to and games that you've been to, what would you say is the best location in your entire career as a Clemson Tiger? That we've traveled to. That would be probably, I mean, I really enjoyed the Cotton Bowl when we yeah. played Notre Dame. That was, that was super awesome. Playing in, in, in doubt in, in Jerry world. Yep. Jerry world. Yeah. in the Cowboy stadium and I'm a Cowboys fan. So Oh, um, up. so I know that may bug some listeners, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, they suck, but it's okay. But hopefully this is our year as every Cowboys fan would say. <laughs> um, but that, that was really cool and really cool to be a part of just being a fan of that team and playing in their stadium and then playing in the game and looking up at that big jumbotron. I mean, that was just super surreal and awesome. Um, so yeah, that was one of the great, you know, places that we've been to as well as, um, uh, Miami playing against the Orange Bowl my very first year at Hard Rock Stadium. I yep. mean, that was, that was really cool um, to, place to travel to. And then you have San Francisco and then Tampa, the two places we won the national championships are probably up there. So that's that rounds out top four, top five places for sure. All right. 
So final question before I wrap things up. Will the are the Tigers going to win a national championship in 2021? Give us your prediction and ex- expectations. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously they're going to go all the way. Oh, yeah. I have full expectations that they're going to have an opportunity to get it done. Um, they got the pieces. They got the leadership. Um, you know, I know they got the coaches, playmakers there to make it happen. It's just about, you know, taking it one day at a time. Um, they know the mentality. They know it all. I mean, you know, I have full expectations that they'll be in the college football playoffs and, you know, they'll, they'll be vying for another national championship without a doubt. Um, and, you know, I think they got a great quarterback. DJ is going to do um, great things this year. I have full, full confidence in him. Um, you know, our defense led by my roommate, uh, teammate Skalski. I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be lights out. I feel like on defense, Nolan's got the back, uh, back seven locked down. Jamie's got the front seven locked down. Um, you know, and then you got a uh, great, great D line, great coaches. I mean, you know, it's all about just being great where their feet are one day at a time in fall camp. Now I know it probably sucks. Um, heat, but you know, they're, they're getting after it. And I know they're getting better one day at a time. So uh, I'm really excited, really pumped, man. That Georgia game is going to be big. I'm going to try. Oh, yeah. and I can get a ticket to go down there. Um, you know, I know it's probably going to be sold out for sure. So it'll be, it'll be interesting, but I, I'm pretty excited. It's going to be a big game and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I already I missed out on that student lottery, so it's been kind of a couple of days to like get over it. And like, ah, well, I, I'll find a way to get with some people and watch it because it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a game. Oh yeah, one one hundred percent. I'm super excited for it. All right, guys, that wraps up the Man with the Plan podcast episode forty five with special guest Chad Smith. Do you have anything you want to say before we wrap things up? Um, man, go Tigers. Grayson, I appreciate you inviting me on and chatting about, um, you know, just Clemson, Clemson football, man. You know, that's awesome. I appreciate the opportunity, man. All right. Well, that is episode 45 guys. I hope you enjoyed spread this podcast, share the word. This is a fantastic interview and a great guy in Chad Smith guys have a fantastic day weekend. And as always take care. 